Awesome. <clears throat> Are you guys ready for uh, some deep stuff this morning? How many of you guys were here for the last couple of services on mm, relationships, marriage, and all the other funny stuff that we were speaking about last week? We're going to try and tone that down this week a bit. <laughs> hey, Tasso, how's it? Liquor, man. How's it, everybody? One mic is off. How's it, everybody? How's it? <coughs> all good? All good? <laughs> good morning. Morning. Sure. We're not going to start till you guys smile. Especially Sheldon. Check his face. It's like a confused <laughs> smile. It's like... <laughs> oh, man. God is so good. Turn to person next to you. Say, man, I'm so free. I'm so free. Yes, I tell you. You know, that's why Christians are such true droller. I'm sorry, but that's a fact. That's, that, is, that is actually Greek for another word. <laughs> if you look it up in the thing, it's trollerious. <laughs> but why? It's because <clears throat> we think that we can't have fun. We think that we have to be so perfect and so clean and so, you know, you know every button tied up perfectly, every hair in place. Every word must be, you know, absolute perfection. Come on. When will you realize that it's never going to be perfect? Amen? So you may as well just surrender to the power of God and allow Him to sustain you and carry you so that you can enjoy something, man. Amen? Amen. We've got to be like children, childlike faith. Amen? Yes, children, there's something so beautiful about children is that they're never really conscious of themselves. They're always conscious of their parents. They're always conscious of the provider. Amen? Amen. You guys remember? I mean, we used to party outside back in the day until 7, 8 o'clock, and we would stay out there till, till 10 at night until you got that, that scream from the mom, you know? Come and get it. Come and get your food. <laughs> supper's ready. You're not even thinking about how supper's coming. You're not even thinking what is on the dinner plate. You just trust mom's got all the nutrients sorted out for you. You just want to play rugby, cricket, soccer, whatever it is that you're doing outside there. Kissing girls in the park, I don't know, whatever it is. Since we're talking about relationships. <laughs> yeah, I heard about no, I'm joking. <laughs> you're always at the park. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're with me, guys. Why do we find it so hard just to accept and just accept the blood of Jesus for what it is, what it has done for us, and learn to just rest in Him and enjoy, man. Just enjoy life for goodness sake. Amen? So caught up in all this nonsense. And so caught up in playing church. My word. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Religion will steal it all from you. You know, faith puts us in such a, a stressful and amazing position. Because that's what it is. It's like, but there's so many things I should be stressed about. And the thing is, is that, you know... Um, we're not saying don't be stressed just for the sake of not being stressed. It's a position of trust. You know, like you were saying, okay, 10 o'clock at night, it wasn't like come and get the dinner. It was like you better get in here or you're sleeping outside. That was 10 o'clock at night, you know. But, um, but it was that thing is, is that it is the absolute assurance of one greater than I am. You know, it's, it's his absolute love, his peace, his grace, his performance, his provision, everything that he is, is, is freely given to us, you know, and he's freely made available to us. It's actually for the believer. We know that's the work. Yeah. 
The work is to bring ourselves to this place where we can say, oh, take that deep breath, you know, and, and be like, I trust you, and I'm thankful that you're there, you know? And, and um, it, it gives us a beautiful opportunity to be in the moment. Exactly. You know, that, that's what life is about. It's like, the, it's one of the, the, the most beautiful uh, uh, fruits or, or benefits of walking in faith with God is that you never miss the moment. You know, there's so much you could be focused on. There's so much you could do better. There's so much that you, you have to fix. But in that moment, you can enjoy fellowship. You can enjoy what you're doing. You know, you can enjoy where you are. You can, you, you, you can connect uh, um, in a real way with people. You, you know what I'm saying? And it's, nothing has to be perfect because he's perfect. You know, there's such an amazing peace that you can have in your heart to know that, okay, Ooh, tomorrow there's a lot to do. But you know what? I'm here right now. And there'll be grace in that moment tomorrow when I have to do that thing. You know? There'll be grace at the end of the month when I have to do that thing. But right now, Christ has set me free from the burden of being a source for myself. He set me free from, from, from the, the despair of, of being alone, of not having help. You know, he set me free from, from, from the pressure of condemnation and guilt. He set me free from all these things that I can go stand in the sun now and just, just realize that, you know what? He is good. Mm. I can stand in the, just be quiet in the day and hear the birds chirp or hear your little dog yapping, whatever, <laughs> whatever you feel is good, you know. But you can be still in that moment and truly with joy in your heart, independent from your physical experience. Man, you can experience fullness. Now listen, that's good news. That's like what you were talking about when we opened worship, you know, that, that this is what the gospel is about, is that in all the death that Adam brought into this world and with all the evil people that are running everything, you can sit free, whole, content, fulfilled, and at peace in your heart. You know, that's got to be the greatest treasure in life, ladies and gents. The greatest treasure. How much more, I mean, with, with the, um, the, the series that we're on, you know, our relationships with people. You know, I used to be that person where I can't focus, eh? Like, like if something's on my mind and it's unfinished, you are not going to know me until that thing's done. I promise you, you can talk to me like this, and I'll be like, mm, yeah. Are you listening to me? Of course I'm listening to you. What are you talking about? What did I say? Yeah, just keep saying it. It's fine, you know? And it's like, hello, are you here? You know? And that was, that was like a really, really hectic thing for me because I, I developed a very controlling nature, you know? So when something wasn't done or wasn't tied up or wasn't the way I wanted it to be, every moment, whether it's a minute, an hour, a day, week, month, whatever it is, I am checked out until that thing is sorted. You know, but when you hear the, the, the beauty of the gospel and, and, you know, the gift of righteousness, because that's really the thing that's crippling you is that it is the self-righteousness in you that wants that thing to be right. Because yeah. that thing is not right, it's a reflection of who I am, you know. And I've got to work until that thing comes right, then I can be at peace. But when you get the message of the gospel and you put it in your heart and, and you understand that we have been made righteous by faith, and in those moments, moment after moment, you choose and you say, wow, that thing can be that thing. And it'll get there. And the Holy Spirit will lead me how to get there. But right now, I can have peace. Man, there's, there's, there's lots of things you can get in life. But 
in this world. But that is something that only Jesus can give you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the only thing. And going through that process has made me realize that the only thing that's important is right now. Because as much as God is going to lead us in every decision we need to make and everything, right now in this moment, he has something that he wants to put in our hearts so we can give in this moment. Give it to people. We can build something for our own lives. You know, he wants us all the time to be present and to be, to be full, to be content, to be givers, to be builders, to be leaders everywhere that we go. Because when we step into a room, and everyone else is checked out, we got to be the ones checked in. You know that even though there's so much going on, we're checked in because we're sensing him. Amen? We're sensing him. And when we take that step where we are practicing sensing him, right, you actually realize that you're not really as highly strung as you thought you were. I'm speaking from experience, okay? I was so highly strung that... If this round table was not perfectly on the edge of a square surface, I might just kick the table over or even like get rid of it. Like take the whole table out completely, it's out, you know, sort of thing. And it, I was so neurotic to the point where someone would come and talk to me and, you know, want to come chill or, you know, whatever, and I would just be completely out of it, you know. And then that person's there for two, three hours, and then what happens? I'm not even there, I'm not even present, I'm not enjoying the moment because I've got all these pressures from things I can't control, from things that are coming from my own fears, insecurities, you know, whatever it is, and I promise you a beautiful moment gets lost. The true treasure of connecting, having communion with people in the body, you know, brothers and sisters, connecting and sharing and giving and actually just enjoying the goodness of God with each other, you know, that is some, that, that's a regret I started realizing. I was like, wow, you know, these people were here the whole day and I missed out. The worst is when like, like you come to church, you know, and uh, maybe there's a family day or, you know, whatever, and something happened and I'm using church example, but I mean, everyday life, you know, something happened and then you're sitting there and you watch everyone laughing and having fun and like, and you just sat there, you know? Two, three hours goes by. Then the week after, everyone's still talking. Oh, my gosh, that night was amazing. You know, it's like, wow. And you were just like, what are you talking about? That night sucked. It's like, what do you mean? Were you even there? Well, obviously, I was there in body, <laughs> right? But I missed out. I missed out. Are you with me? And all these things, guys, that's why the beauty of the gospel, faith, righteousness, Jesus is saying, come and rest in me. Come, I have finished the work. Come and rest in me. And you're never going to miss anything that he's got for you. You're never going to miss a single thing if you would just practice connecting with him. Practice experiencing that peace in your heart. Amen? This wasn't the message today, but yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful, though. And we need to hear this stuff all the time. Amen? We have to. You know, it's just crazy. I, I was speaking to uh, um, Jess and Ch uh, the other night, and it reminded me of a discussion I had many years ago when I broke out of, you know, a religious church. And I was speaking to this gentleman who was high up in the church, you know. And uh, I hadn't seen him for years or whatever. 
And he was so programmed to what a Christian looks like, what a pastor must look like, how they must dress, how they must speak, because we were talking about all that stuff the other night, and it brought back this memory. And uh, this guy, I was, I was ministering into his life because nothing was actually working. So he would come to me every time the, 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 he would drop the ball, because he knew at, in my presence he would get grace. He would get, listen, God's done this for you. Get up and move, you know. But all the people that he followed, wherever you'd go there, they would say to him, no, that you must do this and this and that. Get yourself back right with God, you know. Until you do that, God's hand is against you. God, you, you're under the curse. Or, you know, you, you, you've lost the blessing. You are no longer empowered to prosper. And he, he said something to me. It was so crazy. He said to me, you know, you sit here because I had my cap on backwards like I always wear my cap, you know. I was sitting in jeans and slops. And he is like, um, I actually judge you, but I know that I come to you for grace. And I was like, tell me what you mean. He's like, I, I sense that there's peace and there's rest when I'm around you, but because you don't look like the image of a successful pastor, are you with me? It blocks me from actually just taking what you have and running with it. And I keep going back and forth and back and forth. It, it, it was a massive thing. Today, that guy is so free, it's not even a joke. He broke away from all that stuff, and he also wears his cap backwards. He doesn't have a suit on 24-7. He's totally free, you know? He's totally free. But what was that blockage there? That, that blockage was the wrong image. It was that, that wrong image. He could hear the word. He could hear the truth. He could sense it in his heart. But he had this image of, I need to be like that. I need to perform like that. If I'm not like that, then I fall short of the blessing, mm. you know, until he got set free. See, because we've turned faith into a work, family. The church has turned faith into works. And one of the greatest works that the church actually walks around with pride is worry. Hey? Jeez. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Worry. If I'm not worrying, then I'm not doing something. You've been on the prayer groups when somebody goes into a hospital or whatever, and you'll just see that everybody has to say something. Have you seen those? Everybody has to say something about this person that's now going for operation or whatever. Instead of just trusting the Holy Spirit, wait, wait on the word that the Lord says and declare the, the word of life over that person. But listen, if I don't say something, then I'm not part of the, the solution. You, you, you're not part of the solution. The solution was already stamped and sealed 2,000 years ago. You've got to harmonize with him, you know? We have people walking around today thinking that if I don't worry, I'm not doing enough. God can't help me. It's so crazy. There was a study done a couple of years ago that 80% of people that go into uh, emergency rooms in the hospital most of them go in there, get put on EKGs, and they get their blood pressure taken and all that kind of stuff. They did surveys while they were doing that, and they found that most of the people, when they were interviewed, said that they were anxious about how they're going to provide for tomorrow. Anxious about tomorrow. Anxious about this. Anxious about losing their work. Anxious about the marketplace. Anxious about this. Anxious about that. And they were actually having symptoms of, of mild heart attacks. But there was no heart attack, but there was a symptom, you know? Yeah, it was the worry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worry. Yeah. That's what we're trying to tell you. You've got to be like a child, guys. 
You've got to believe. That's only thing, the only thing you have is belief. There's nothing else. And belief is a doing word. Amen? Belief is a being word. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you know. If you can't deal with your worry, you're not believing. Amen? It's just how it goes. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think we struggle with the, 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 the worry aspect because, um, you know, that evidence, right, for the worry not being there. Because everything works on evidence in our lives, everything. You know what I'm saying? That's why, you know, the Bible tells us that, that faith is the evidence, you know? It's because everything works on evidence. I mean, if you're worrying, you have reason to worry. You're like, ugh, this thing is a problem, you know? Um, if, 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 have you guys seen that video of the, the guy? I think they're in the Kruger or something. And the lion walks up to the door and pulls open the door. I don't, have you guys seen that video? Hey, jeez, like it. Listen, I'm a, I'm a believer. But you best believe I'm worrying if that <laughs> I'm going to start remembering Daniel in the lion's den. Or was, was it Daniel? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that there's always evidence. So the thing is, is like when someone's worrying, you know, and, and, and that's what happens in church is, is we say, no, do not, Jesus said, do not worry. Yeah. You know, and we go through all the promises, you know, all this stuff. It's like, okay, but the thing is, yeah, right? And, and, and you get to this thing where, where it's, it, a lot of people, <laughs> they're like, okay, the Bible says I'm not going to worry, so I'm going to pretend that problem's not there. That's also not the way to go because it's there. You know what I'm saying? But the key is evidence. You know, when Jesus says, do not worry, he's telling us that there is evidence for you not to worry. Mm. Not just a choice that you make that's void of any reason or any substance, right? He's saying there's evidence, mm. you know? I mean, Matthew 6, what does it say? It says, do, uh, does your heavenly father not know that you need these things? Mm. Right? Are you not more valuable than the birds of the air? You know, and all these things that he says in that beautiful, beautiful chapter, right? But what is he saying? He's, he's not saying that you can just make a decision, oh, today I'm not going to worry. No, 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 no. You need evidence not to worry. That is why a lot of times when, when, when uh, believers read the scripture, right? They read the scripture and they think, wow, that's good. I'm going to choose to do that. But they have no substance to do that. That's why intimacy with God, when you truly experience his nature, you realize, wow, these words carry weight. Mm -hmm. These words are backed by the creator of heaven and earth, the self-existing God. These, the, these words are backed by the one who is limitless. Yeah. Are you guys with me? So this evidence that you're gathering is, is like, you know, okay, did you had older brothers, right? So when you got in trouble at school, Right? And you can tell the truth. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not set, no, I'm not setting you up. I'm not setting you up. But I mean, how many times did you get in trouble when you were like me in primary school or early high school? You know, the bigger guys, you were probably always big. But anyway, the bigger guys would come to you and mess with you. But you would, you would tune them knowing you got a brother, right? Like all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's like my brother's coming for you. And then your brother would come and beat that guy up and then he beat you up because you're putting him in trouble. You know what I'm saying? But the truth is, why do you have evidence? Because what was happening at home? Your brother would come to say, listen, anyone messes with you, you, you tell them, right? Because you, you were around your brother. You were connected with your brother, all these things. Now, trivial example, but when Jesus was saying, do not worry, 
When he was saying, do you not know that your heavenly father needs, uh, what? Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. When he was making these statements, right? He was not making it as someone who was living attached to the world. He was, live, he was making those statements as someone who was connected with the father. Amen. Can I give you the opposite of what Christians actually believe mm. about the big brother story? Because mm. oh, yeah? you've just put that in my mind right now. <laughs> so the evidence is, I'm okay, and I'll get my justice because I've got a big brother. He's going to look after me. So you can go call your big brother, and he comes and he sorts out the problem. But this is how Christians see it, because of religion and the way they've been taught. So they see it like this. You go out, you get into trouble, and the big bully bullies you right there in your front yard every day after school. And you turn around going, where's my big brother? Where's my big brother? And the big brother, this is the picture we have of the big brother or God. He's sitting in the lounge looking through the window going, I can't help you because you're a sinner. Yeah. Mm. I can't help you. You didn't I, just do I, something. I, you, know, I, you got yourself into this. Yeah. Uh, you get yourself out of it. Yeah. Or, you know what, you haven't been behaving right. You didn't wash all the dishes this week like you were supposed to in the family setup. You didn't mow the lawn. I had to mow the lawn. You, did, you know what? You're on your own. Mm. And that's truly how it, people see it. Yeah. Yeah. Th that's how they see it. Yeah. And, and, and also, I mean, it's, um, when you sort of think about evidence, um, evidence has got to be gathered before you enter into a specific situation, isn't it? That's right. Because then, how would you compare it? That's to it. be yeah. able to say, well, I've, got, I've gathered enough evidence, and when I'm facing this, all I need to do is change my focus to the evidence. Because that's what I'm worrying. I'm worrying because I spend more time looking at the problem, or whatever, the circumstance. So it's always being prepared of... Um, of, of spending time with him, like you're saying, in his presence, getting to know him to the point, we always say that, but I mean, we need to do it to the point that we can't separate the me from him and the him from me. Mm. Mm. You see, so yeah. that's when I get into a situation I'm, and I'm able to have now the power. Mm. And it stops right there. Because then you turn around and you say, Holy Spirit, I have taken this. Yep. I have made it mine. You know, I've spent time with the Lord. This is it now. I'm handing it to you to empower it. Yeah, that's it. Or to give it the wisdom that is needed. Or to do whatever. But you need, you, sorry, all of us obviously. I mean, we need to spend time continuously to lose ourselves in Him. Yes. You know? Yeah. And um, just getting back to one point that was so good with... Um, that pastor that was coming to, to your spot. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, think about, and I want to bring it to, to the situation now or, or to, to an environment with your spouse. What type of judgments do we have towards each other? You know? Yeah. That we don't allow our love to keep flowing. Yeah. Because it's our judgments that are seizing and stopping and, and create, putting blockages yeah. right, to release that, mm. whatever we need to experience. And remember, those judgments, we passed them long time ago, yeah. isn't it? Oh, yeah. And God is saying, listen, you need to release those judgments. Mm. Yeah. 
so that you can see your spouse, you can see your friend, you can begin to see your whoever it is that you have this connection to. Uh, you begin to see them the way that I feel about you. I don't know. That's just something we can think about, you know, that um, why I'm not experiencing this connection that I, I experienced from the beginning is because of me yeah. and because of judgments I have passed mm. upon uh, things that, um, you know, he or she is doing or has been doing. And I now, be, I, I, I'm actually seeing and um, I'm projecting that that person is doing it because of the same reasons that I, I would do these type of actions. Yeah. And that's why I've passed this judgment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this is why I need to release so that my heart is going to be free. Mm. You know? Absolutely. My heart is going to be free. And I'm telling you, the way that the world is going now, the number one message that we need to give out there is identity. I'm telling you, in about five to seven years' time, I mean, you see it. The teenagers have got no clue now who they are. Okay, they've lost touch. So we need to anchor them that there is this identity that we can find in Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, it's so true. I don't know why we're speaking about worry this morning. We're supposed to be doing marriage and uh, other stuff, but. You know, maybe marriage is a worry, I don't know, for certain people. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Swap mics with him. Yeah? That's your singing mic, so it's got your... One, two. But it's a bit, it's a bit soft. Can you just lift it a bit? Thanks, Dylan. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, now I'm, I lost my point now. What was I saying? Talking about worry and marriage. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, Auntie Shemaine's laughing because... Some marriage counseling is needed there. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know why, but um, I just felt there was, there was something on our hearts, you know. Yeah, 100%. We had to deal with. And, and it's also, you know, that, that mechanic, you know, that, that you were talking about, Tasso, because, you know, our entire lives, the, the comfort that we've created has taken a lot of time. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and whether we, we'd like to admit it or not, we all uh, um, strive to create environments that we would be comfortable in. It's just what we do. You know, it's like, uh, I'd be okay with this. I'm not okay with that. That's not going to work, you know, kind of thing. Um, in the same way, when we are on this journey now of, of gathering that evidence, of connecting with God, of, of testing His motives, you, you know what I'm saying? Because um, like you're talking about those judgments, you know, people have come to me before and said, I can trust them. That didn't work out well, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out well. But, but same now with, with this connecting with God, you know. Um, I think something that's, that's often not spoken about is um, in your own heart. You know, when you, when you met with that worry now, for example, that fear, you know, choosing, choosing to, to rely on Him, to place your trust in Him, is not something that happens the day you're saved. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not automatic. It's not like you can just wake up and be like, ha I trust God. Everything's cool. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a process of, okay, wait, the more I am getting to know him, the easier it becomes. You, you with me? That, that's, that's really the mechanic that everyone, I think, needs to be conscious of when it comes to worry, guys, is that, okay, 
this is about trust. Uh, sorry, what, what I want to say is trust is based on character. Are you with me? So you, anyone who says, oh, no, you meet someone a day where it's like, oh, I trust you. It's cool. You, you normally are asking for trouble, right? But over time, when you build trust with people, what has happened? You have gotten to know them. You've experienced them. You know, you, you've got testimony of the character, mm. right? Now, we have lots of it, okay? We have lots of it about God's character. But in our own hearts, you know, it is that process of gathering it. It's that process of saying, okay, but he is this. Let me carry on. But we need the substance behind what the words are saying. Are you guys with me? We need that substance. And that substance is that time now spent with him. It is that, that, that time experiencing him. Because I tried in the beginning, you know, um, when, <laughs> when this worry thing came, uh, or, sh or shall I say when it came up in church, you know, I tried in the beginning. And it was so cool for me because I was like, wow, I got a way out here. And you know what started happening is like, is like, let's say, for example, you need money, right? And uh, you guys ever get those SMSs that you've won 95,000 Rand from Omo? You guys ever get those messages? Eh? <laughs> and you're like, and in the beginning, you're like, God's a provider, and you get this message, you're like, <gasps> surely this must be the Lord. You're like, listen, but have you seen the price of Omo? They're not going to give you 95 grand for nothing, okay? But, but you know, we, this is what we do is that we expect his character to come through our judgments. We expect his character to come through what we're comfortable with. But the truth is, relationship isn't like that. Relationship is you're entering a space, right, that is going to be created based on the two people. Are you with me? It's not relationship if, for example, uh, like Tasso comes into my space and he must abide by my space. That's not how a relationship works. You know what I'm saying? Just like how in John 15, Jesus says, abide in him. Now, that word abide is a tricky one because I think a lot of people have a lot of different pictures, you know. But be present in is one of the definitions, right? The other illustration is feel at home in, you know. If, when he's saying abide in me, he's talking about feeling at home in him. Feeling present in him. Are you guys with me? So when Jesus is inviting us to do that, it's not just an exercise of, I know, there's a, there's a do not fear written 365 times in the, you know all those statistics that we get, you know? There's a, there's a promise for every day of the year and there's a, all this stuff. But the truth is, is that all of those things only become real to us when we are present in him, when we are comfortable at home in him. You know, a lot of the times in the beginning, I used to experience the presence of God and be like, ah, this is weird. Mm. <laughs> I'm being honest, right? I remember, I always go back to that story you told me about, you know, that night where you were like, okay, Lord, tonight I'm going to experience you. And you know, you put that whole worship music on. And the minute it started happening, you just like ran out. You're like, ah, 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 I'm not going to do it. Because the truth is, it is opening your heart to a person. Are you guys with me? So even when you meet another person in life and you're like, okay, I'm going to give it time. Let's see where it goes. You know, all this kind of stuff. That process is not skipped with God, right? You have evidence. Yes, it is. But it's not going to take as long to get to know a person. But there is that process where you say, okay, no, I choose to believe. I choose to believe who you are and experiencing him in your heart.
you know? It's the, it's the, it's the trickiness of the soul. Because mm. you know, when we speak about the soul, we know that the soul is an interface for the spirit man to actually experience the physical world. Yeah. So your soul is such an amazing thing. Because, you know, you're a spirit man and you possess a soul and you live in a body and you are placed in a 3D realm. But faith speaks of a substance and an evidence of something that you can't see here. So the process is the soul that can be in both dimensions at the same time. So the soul can experience the spirit and it can experience the people. The soul can experience the peace, but at the same time it can experience the circumstance. Are you with me? Does it make sense? So what's the journey of the soul? You see, the journey of the soul is, is that if the soul can be in the spirit world, and the Bible says that we must call the things that are unseen as if they are seen. Hello? The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hopeful. It is the evidence of things not seen. So, so how do we do this transfer? Because the soul is in the spirit and it's in this place at the same time. Hello? We need, to, we need to govern the soul and we need to train the soul to become that, that part of our being that now leans over into the evidence of the unseen more than the seen. And if we don't do that, our soul's going to be tormented. Our soul's always going to be out of balance. It's always going to be looking at the evidence of the 3D realm instead of the evidence of the unseen realm. But you have to take your soul on that journey. Your soul has to go on this journey of, we call it maturity, but it's, but it's actually an experience of another realm, of another person that you can't see. How do we do that? How does the, how is the, trans, the transaction that transaction that goes from unseen to seen. How do we do that? We've only got certain things to work with. We've got the name of God through the scripture. I am the provider. I am the one who heals. Okay? So this is, this is the only thing that jumps the soul from the unseen to the seen, guys. You have to take this literal promise in black and white and deposit it in the soul to the point where the soul actually feels the Father more than it feels itself. Are you with me? That's the process. You have to have the substance of the thing that's not seen. Faith is not just an answer in your mind. It's not just a concept that you're carrying in your mind. You are a spiritual being. Hello? You have to have the substance of the Father. He has to be so real to you that He's more real to you than your spouse. He's more real to you than your own soul and its feelings. Hello? Yeah. This is the journey. And we've only got one thing to take us from the unseen to the seen and back and forth. And that is this. Inspirational messages won't take you there. Hello? 
They can't take you there. Positive thinking is not going to give you the substance of the realm of the unseen. Positive thinking doesn't have the power to breach your soul from living in this world to the unseen world. It doesn't have the power. It's a fruit of the power. It's supposed to be a fruit of what you are experiencing with God. Hello? Why do you think death is such a scary thing for people? Let's get down to brass tacks here, folks. Why do you think de death captivates the soul so much? It's the enemy of the soul. It can only be the enemy of the soul if the soul is not experienced the substance of the unseen. Because the soul has deposited all its trust, all its value, all its experience in the now. Yeah, the 3D realm. So now when it's time to cross over from here to there, there's nothing real about it. It's just a near-death experience you watched on TV. But that wasn't your near-death experience. That was someone else's, just by the way. A near-death experience cannot build your faith. Watching near-death experiences all day long, no, how to, no matter how beautiful it was and all the angels they saw and all the dogs that were in heaven, it's not going to give you the faith on the day that you need to leave your body. Are you with me? Do you guys understand what I'm saying here? Yeah. This is the journey that we are, are called to. You know, Jim Richards says something so beautiful. One day I was doing a study on Revelation with him. And, he, and he, I don't know why he brought this up, but he went into this and he said, every moment that he goes into his heart and he spends time in the unseen, it becomes more and more natural to him for the day that he's going to have to leave his body. So the trust is switching now, you know, the trust is switching and it switches over time, okay? And he said, the Lord showed him something so beautiful and so powerful. He said, he went into prayer and he meditated and the next moment he was in God's presence and he was experiencing God like never before. And the Holy Spirit put his hand on his shoulder like this. And, he, and he's like, he's like, jeez, Lord, this is, this is different. Why are you doing this like this today? And the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to know, because obviously he had been thinking about death or whatever, you know. And the Holy Spirit said to him, do you, see, do you see as I placed my hand on your shoulder? He said, the day you leave your body, that's how real it's going to be for you and me. Sure. You will be with me in heaven and my hand will be all over you, wow. just like this. Wow. But you see, if the soul is captivated with what I must do for all day long, my, for, for my task and check me out and get my six-pack abs and this and that and we only live for this place, damn right you're going to have fear in your heart. Yeah. You're going to be riddled with it yeah. Yeah. because you've never taken the journey by faith. Call it as it is even if you can't see it. Damn right when sickness comes in your body, you're going to give in to it. Because your soul has never experienced anything more than just your 3D self. Do you think, who's going to get you out of that? You can come and spend time with Bash 24-7. You can go and camp inside Tasso's bedroom. Office, office. Huh? Office. Office, sorry. <laughs> 
Not the bedroom, the office. Yeah. <laughs> you can go and sleep under his bed. That you can, yeah. <laughs> Are you with me? No one's going to get you to that place except you. That's why it's your faith. It's your salvation. It's your experience. How often are you taking the journey? How often are you actually taking your soul to that place where you are not in control? You're in that realm where you can't, you don't even know what's going to happen next, but you're just in His presence. Hey. Sold out to him. That's why. Yeah. Isn't this faith? This is what we're talking about. You know, when you ask people today, what is faith? They give you the definition of faith. And they go to Hebrews 11, verse 1, and they recite it like a textbook. But the moment the doctor says, This is in your body, they crumble. And it's normal to crumble for a soul. That's never experienced. Are you with me? We have to take this journey. Mm. We can't sit here and the praise and worship. I mean, there was a couple of weeks ago, praise and worship went so deep, some people ran out. Sorry. I'm sorry, you're in trouble. Because let me tell you something. If you can't handle the presence of God in an environment like this, what are you going to do on, on your deathbed? You can't even just give up right now and say, I, I trust you, Holy Spirit. Take me wherever you want to take me. Just, what do you think it's going to be like when you've got to cross over? Amen? Are you, are you with me, guys? This is what this journey is all about. This is what it's all about. It's, it's, it's losing. I mean, this is, it, it's so good what you're saying because it's, it's again going back to the very fundamentals of dying to self. That's all it is. In every situation, you know, am I trying to keep myself alive, <laughs> you know, knowing that I have died? Or am I going to bring forth Christ in, in, in me? Yes. You know? That's what it is every day. And remember, to the degree that we spend time with Him, to that degree we're going to gather the evidence that is needed for any situation. That's right. yep. And like you said, it takes time. It takes time to, to get to the awareness that Christ is your healer. It, it takes time. Because you, you have to spend time with Him. See, we don't spend time with Him because we really have not died. We're still alive to ourselves. Now think about that, you know. And God has called us into a kingdom where the Holy Spirit leads continuously. That's how it is. It's like every moment you say, what is the next step here? Based on your word that I'm supposed to walk in love, Holy Spirit, what is the next step? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in that situation, how can I remove the me? Because remember, hey, human nature does everything for itself. Eh? Mm. Okay. Everything. everything. Yeah. Doesn't matter what, <laughs> you know. What are we going to gain out of this thing? 
That's how we take decisions. But as God has called us into a different kingdom. I'm telling you. And that kingdom is a daily practice. It is a daily practice. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with the Lord. I still have to go back and I locate, okay, what was the motive here? You know? And if the motive was selfish, and I was unaware about it, that's why I have to go back and reevaluate it then I have to repent. And guess what I do? I have to go back, go into the same picture that I'm with you, for example, and I say, okay, this is how I do. Although it was fantastic what you heard, for you it might have been, but my motives were not right. Okay. So now if I have, I've removed that lack from within me and I put Christ in His fullness in me, how would I express that to you it would have been very different my expression you know because it would have come from a purity isn't it yeah and that's that's what god has called us to to train ourselves to get ourselves in him you know and i'm telling you we have to devise ways plan strategies to get people to experience Christ in their hearts. Not only Christ, Christ compared to Elon Musk. Christ compared to your career. Because eh? that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's it. Yeah. You see, yeah. Christ compared to anything. You see, we have to define that if I found Christ in me, I found everything. Not, not uh, how Christ is going to help me to get the riches of Abraham. So Elon Musk equates to that. How can I get Christ to get me to that? No, 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 no. You have to discover the sense of wholeness of what even Elon Musk you think might have. That he still needs this because this is success. This is prosperity. I'm telling you now, we have to start changing our definitions. You know, and that's why we're not. We're trying to get Christ to get us to whatever the world has given us as success. No, 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 no. Success is daily getting myself to experience the Christ who is the complete fullness of the Godhead bodily inside of me. And once I get to that point, then everybody must be jealous of that. Because that's success. Walking around sensing that I'm full. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah, that's where we need to get to. That's our aim. That's our goal. I mean, what's it? Romans 8 something. It says it clearly. To be conformed to that image. God has said, you want to be wealthy, rich, uh, prosperous, whatever you want. Do you want whatever you think in your life? Healthy, here it is. This is the person. You got him. You've arrived. 
Don't let anybody deceive you. That is basic elements that they're trying to tell us is what success in life is. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let them think that a perfect body is going is, is to get you love. It's not going to get you love. God has given you Jesus. When you enter into him, that's when you experience love. Nothing apart from it. That's it. It's simple what we're saying. I mean, we're not talking about anything difficult yet. Simple stuff, you know. It's just, but how we get you know, sort of deviate and, 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 and we get deceived. Yeah, we have to practice it. Yeah. But, but you know why, what you just did there, the Holy Spirit highlighted something to me is that, so when you, when you enter into Christ, you get love, okay? But when, when you're from this side as a Christian, you haven't entered in, you will experience all the other kinds of love, like erotic love or a, a shallow type of love, you know? Yeah, for the senses. But the thing is, the moment that you go in there and you experience that, that's when the soul changes. When it's from the outside, or oh, I've got to have a good body, or oh, I've got to get love, or to get that experience, man, you're, you're actually taking death as life. You're taking something that's immediate and temporary that's connected to something that's going to fade away and die. And you're putting that over and above to the eternal experience of entering into Christ and experiencing love in your soul. Yeah. Love in your heart. Are you with me? Yeah. That's what we do to ourselves all the time. We've got to go on this journey, guys. We've got to go on this journey. I don't know why God's uh, speaking about this, but man, where, is, where are our souls right now? Are, are our souls, if our souls had to be weighed up now, between the temporary and the, and the eternal, would we be left wanting? If we had to put our souls on a scale right now, how much of it have we deposited into the temporary and how much have we deposited into the eternal? Where would we be sitting on that scale? Anybody? It's not that, um, this has got nothing to do with God. I'm talking, I'm talking about our experience. Yeah. God's not weighing you up. This is our, like sort of everyday practical living. Our everyday yeah. practical living. Yeah. Where is it? Mm. Is it flesh? Or is it in the unseen? Mm. What's making you tick, guys? What's making you get up in, in the morning? You know, some people are so fleshly, if you don't say happy birthday to them on their birthday, it's like they're depressed for the next three years. Have you seen some people, they're actually in a state of depression until their birthday? Because it's about me! <laughs> yeah. Are you with me? Come on, man. Weigh it all up to this. One day you will be dead. Can we just comprehend that? Yeah. Weigh all that stuff up. One day you're not going to be able to touch it. It's going to be a whole other reality. Yeah. Yeah. 
a whole nother reality that you will experience and you'll have to experience it for eternity. Mm. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I lay up the treasures. And that in itself, guys, should be the reason why you are preaching the gospel to every soul that comes past you. What Sasso just said, now, I had the statistics the other day. Did you know that our generation, the generation right now, Gen Z, I think it's called Gen Z, yeah, they did a whole, they did this church uh, statistic thing and they went back to the greatest, they're called the greatest generation and then there was the baby boomers and then there was Gen X and then there was millennials. whatever, whatever, millennials, millennials. yeah. Millennials. So, did you know the greatest generation, which was, I think it was 1923, I think it was 67% of that entire population of people believed they were Christian and they went to church and they were baptized in water and in the, in the Holy Spirit. 67%. Now listen to how scary this is. Gen Z at the moment, 18% say that they are Christian. Hold on a second. That's not the end of the stat. Okay? Out of that 18%, 50% don't even go to church. The ones that do go to church... Okay, I think it was 80% of the ones that do go to church. I'll, be, I'll get the stats and I'll show it to you sometime. Guess what? Out of the 18%, 50% don't even attend church. They're just nominal Christians. They're just Christians because their parents were Christians. 80% uh, of the 50% that do go to church believe that you can become a woman if you're a man. They believe that two men can stand at the altar and be blessed by God in a same-sex marriage. 50% of the 9% nice. that go to church, they have literally right now labeled society today. They said that we have finally and eventually moved into a post-Christian world for the first time. For the first time, we are not, no longer in a Christian world. I'm talking about Western society. Do you understand how scary that is? And what are we doing? Running around thinking about how we're going to get this next big career move and what car we're going to buy and this and that. And there is, what's the balance of 18%? It's 82%. Uh, we, we the, the leftover. 82% oh, yeah. of the world 82% of people walking around you at work, young people, don't even know who God is. So that means if there's 10 people, 10 young people between the age of, I think it's uh, 18 to 26 or whatever, I'm not too sure what Gen Z is, at your office place, only two of them are sort of have an idea of Christ. Eight of them, no idea. And we're just thinking, Forget about them. Uh, even if I have to, I'll stand on them to get to the next position. Huh? Guys, this is, a, this is crazy. That's why he's saying identity is the message for today. Not church, not religion, not uh, all this other stuff. Identity. And you know what the saddest statistic is? Listen to this. Those eight that are sitting in a classroom... They have no identity, nothing. And they sit next to a Muslim kid or a Hindu kid, 
And the Muslim kid and the Hindu kid go to the temple every week. They go to the mosque every week. Even though it is wrong, they still have a strong identity. And those eight are going to get evangelized by the Muslims. Mm. And then we're all going to come together and we're going to cry. Our kids are going to get together here and they're going to cry and they're going to be like, why has God forsaken us? Society has changed. The world has changed. We're actually under Sharia law. We're not even under a, 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 an independent republic government constitution anymore. Yes, there was a lot of words. <laughs> but are you with me? We're not even, what is this place? We may as well be in Dubai. Why? Our kids are going to hold us accountable. It's our fault. Because we were too selfish. Because we never took the time to take our soul on this journey to see what was more important. Amen? Because we're running around worrying about all these things and not resting in God. We're not people of faith. Amen? And while we are occupied with all these fleshly things, the Muslims are going to take over this place. They're going to. They are already. Have you seen how, have you seen how full the, the mosques are? Have you seen France? Yeah, that's yeah, France is a we, we have people that have just moved back from, friend, uh, somebody was talking, I think it was Clive, was mentioning he, has, he knows people in Birmingham City, in, in London. Did you know that in Birmingham City, if you're a, a Westerner, an a, a actual citizen of England, you can't even walk to the shops without getting ridiculed by the Muslim community? The girls will go with like spaghetti tops and, you know, like spaghetti strap tops and all that. And obviously show a little bit of their, fle of their flesh and whatever. You know how Western women are way more uh, open about that stuff. They get stoned and beaten in their own country when they go from home to the shop. It's happening, guys. I saw an aerial shot of Birmingham. You just see bums. You know why you see bums? On the soccer field. Because there's no space for the mosques. So all the Muslim men are on the soccer fields bending over, worshipping. So there was the aerial view. It was just a whole lot of bums. It's a real bummer that. Moonshots. <laughs> Moon worshippers. <laughs> Went too far. Moon But guys, do you understand what I'm saying? We, this is, and this is just because we, we're worrying about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're gonna, where we're going to live. But in Matthew 6, he says, do not worry about these things. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. But we've been captivated by the flesh, guys. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 100%. You know, if we're not doing that exercise... We can't go to God and cry about all the fear inside of us. We can't. I fear this, I fear that. And God's going, but you're not experiencing. You're not bringing your soul here. You're not bringing the soul to me. Mm. Amen? Yeah. 